Acts chapter 2, verse 37. I want to talk to you this morning um, about, actually about what we're talking about tonight, but what does it mean to be baptized? Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord your God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We pray the blessing upon your word. May it go forth and change lives. Father, I don't come today in the power of my own words, but I come, as the Apostle Paul said, in the power of the Holy Spirit. May your word have the anointing on it that can change lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. When you turn around and tell somebody you're glad to see them this morning, and you may be seated. I don't know about you, but I love the way that the Holy Spirit works. And honestly, things that were said a moment ago and sang about are things I'm going to start talking about in the very beginning. And I can promise you that Pastor Ethan and Pastor Brittany with our worship had no idea of anything I was going to say today. And so it's amazing how God orchestrates those things. One of my favorite stories to tell, and if you've been here any time, you've heard it because I tell it a lot. I love this story. But it's the greatest illustration to me of this is about... A family and the mother was teaching her young daughter the young daughter said I want to learn to cook will you help me learn to cook so the mother said sure so she takes her and she says hey I'm gonna make a, a, a roast a pot roast for dinner and so I am gonna make that and so here would you join me and I'll show you how to make it and so she begins to make the pot roast and the mother cuts the ends of the roast off and the daughter said why do you cut the ends of the roast off? Does it make it taste better? Does it make it more tenderized? Is it just a better flavor when you cut the ends off? And she said, I don't know. That's just how my mother taught me to make the roast. And so she said it did not satisfy the curiosity of the little girl. She said, well, why? I want to know why. If, I'm gonna, if we're going to do this, why are we doing it? So the mother said, I don't know. Let me call your grandma and find out why we do this. So she picked up the phone and called her grandma and called mom and said mom you know what I'm teaching your granddaughter how to make a roast and I cut the ends off like we always do can you tell me why we do that and the grandma said I have no idea your your your, your grandma my mom taught me to do that well in this family great grandma was still alive so call great grandma and they say great grandma we're cutting the ends of our roast off Family tradition. We know there's got to be a good reason, though. We know it's got to be more flavorful or something has to happen with this. Can you please tell me why you started this in our family? And the great-grandma said, easy. She said, when me and your great-grandpa got married, um, we didn't have a roast pan big enough for the roast, so I learned to cut the ends off so the roast would fit into the pan. 
Now, in that family, they had began to think, this has got to be the best way to do it. There's got to be a reason. But it literally was just a tradition in their family. I'm not against tradition. There's some traditions I love. I have traditions. When I go home to Crystal Springs, I have a tradition of going place by place and looking at the house where I lived and looking at the creek where I played as a boy and looking at certain things and remembering those things. And I have tradition. Nothing wrong with tradition in and of itself. But if we're not careful, we get along. We just do traditions and we don't know why. We have the what down pat, but we don't know why. And if we're not careful, we get caught in just doing this because that's what everybody's doing. And we don't really have an understanding of what happened. This is what happened. Jesus met some Pharisees in Mark chapter 7. Here's what he said to them, verse 5. The Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? Jesus is dealing with the New Testament version of a Karen. Okay? Some of you understand that. Why are your, why are your disciples eating with unwashed hands? Verse 6, he answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, the people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do. He said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your tradition. Jesus isn't saying, don't wash your hands, okay? Listen, right now, if Jesus was here in the middle of COVID, he would be washing his hands, I promise, okay? Jesus isn't saying, don't wash your plates. What he's trying to say to these Pharisees is, you have gotten so caught up in the traditions of men that you teach it as a doctrine of God and you can't even tell the difference anymore you go about doing the tradition and you think it's what God commanded and I'm here to tell you you missed the point God never commanded that but it was you who commanded that and you messed up and you honor me with your lips but your heart is far from me and if we're not careful we have traditions even in the church we go through the motions and we do these things and it's because that's what we've always done but we don't remember sometimes why we're doing those things we have the what down pat but we forgot the why and here's the thing you can go through the motions of the what and you can honor God with your lips but if you don't remember the why your heart will stray from that and before too long your heart is not in the right place because you've forgotten what God really intended this to be from the beginning amen and one of those things I think is baptism I think if we're not careful, we go through it, we get excited, we go under the water, we come up, and we just get about on with our life, and we don't remember why and we, do we have baptisms in the first place. Is it because it's a tradition of man? Is it because we just want to cut the ends of the roast off and we have to do that? Or is there a greater reason? So this morning, I want to give you the reasons for water baptism. Why should you get baptized? Number one, to follow the example of Jesus. Jesus was a sinless man, never sinned, but he got baptized. He understood in his life the importance of water baptism. He understood he needed to be baptized. He goes to John and said, I need you to baptize me. And John said, not me. I'm not even worthy to take your sandals off, Jesus. But Jesus said, no, 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 you've got to baptize me. And Jesus, being sinless, went under the water, and it was important for him because three things happened when Jesus was baptized. Number one, the heaven 
heavens parted. Number two, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and landed on him and stayed on him. And then number three, he heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. With a crowd this size, I would say if I was, I'm not a betting man, if I was a betting man, I would bet today there's somebody this week that did something that you feel like you were displeased about in your life. Maybe even you feel like you displeased the heart of the Father. And in that moment when you did it, you felt sorry for what you had done, and you said, Father, please forgive me for the attitude, for what I said. And you know what? In that moment, God forgave you instantly. But how many of you know the enemy loves to jump on us in those moments? The enemy, the, the adversary, the devil, he, like, he, he doesn't let us off the hook. He doesn't let us off the hook. God's forgiven us, but the enemy comes to us and says, you know what, you're not going to get blessed now. Look at how you blew it. Look how you messed up. Look at your attitude. You'll never be anything. And the enemy comes and he lies to us. And he comes in those moments that we mess up and God's forgiven us and God's moved on from it and we've moved on but the enemy has not moved on. And he comes and he begins to talk to us and say, look at how you messed up. Or maybe there's been things in your past that you've been broken from. Maybe relationships, I'm not just talking about abusive relationships, but maybe relationships where you were abused, and I don't mean just violently abused, but I mean just verbally and those kind of things over your life, to where when somebody says the word relationship, man, you tense up, you don't want to hear about it, you don't want to think about it. The brokenness from your life has made it where you don't, the devil doesn't beat you up, but you beat yourself up. You're constantly saying these things about yourself. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I can't let God bless me or use me because look at what I've done. Look at how I've been. And here's what happens in baptism, I believe. The reason it's important is because the same thing that is said over you. Listen, tonight we're going to baptize over 20 people. And I don't expect the heavens to rip open physically. I don't expect a voice from heaven if we hear it. That would be awesome and cool, but I don't expect that. But I want you to know what is being said over you spiritually what is being spelled not just tonight but when you got baptized those of you that have been baptized in the past this is a reminder to you that listen whenever you are baptized it is the father saying over you this is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased it is the father saying over you listen I believe whenever you get saved it is a spiritual experience that happens between your heart and heaven and yes you can look back and have a certain date but it is a spiritual experience. I believe baptism is spiritual as well, but I also believe it is physical for a reason. Because I believe you need to be able to point back and say, Satan, there was a time in my life, in this date, in this church, by this pastor, I went under the water and I came up to new life and I am God's beloved child in whom he is well pleased. And Satan, you don't have control over my life. You can't condemn me because I am a child of the Most High God and he is pleased with me. And some of you need to tell yourself that today. Self, stop beating yourself up for my brokenness. Stop beating yourself up for everything that is happening. Jesus loves you today. You're in relationship with a God who loves you and he says over you, you are his beloved child in whom he is well pleased. And I believe Jesus needed to hear those words because he had a lot to accomplish. And if Jesus being sinless needed those words how much more do we need to hear those words over us so we follow the example of Jesus he gets baptized we do too number two we follow we, excuse me we fulfill the commandment of Jesus 
Listen to what he says in Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. We are called, this is called the Great Commission, and God calls us to go and to baptize. Once again, baptism, being water baptized, I believe doesn't save you. It is a symbol, but it's more than a symbol, but it is a symbolic act of saying, I am publicly following Jesus. What did Peter say in Acts chapter 2? We just read it. They said, what do we got to do to be saved? Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost, and their hearts are cut with conviction of the Holy Spirit and they say what do we got to do to receive this Jesus you're talking about and Peter said repent and be baptized we believe that repentance is what saves you but we follow that up with baptism so that we fulfill the commandment of God that that, that the baptism is a commandment that says God says be baptized and yes there are exceptions to the rule I get it I know the thief on the cross didn't have time to get baptized I understand that but listen just because there's an exception to the rule doesn't mean it's the whole rule I believe if we're able we should get baptized if we're able we are commanded to be baptized and I believe as we get baptized we fulfill the great commission in over our life amen so what happens in baptism a couple things number one in baptism we are buried with Christ in death look at Romans chapter 6 verse 3 do you not know that many of us as we're baptized into Christ Jesus, we're baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Listen, here's the awesome thing. When you get saved and you go under those waters, you realize something. Just like Jesus went into the tomb and he died, you are dying to your old man. You are dying to that old man. And no longer does that old man have dominion over your life. Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself a ransom for me whenever you realize in salvation and what the symbolic act of baptism is saying is I am crucified with Jesus Christ my dead man the old man doesn't get to tell me what I'm gonna do any longer the old man doesn't get to dictate my life any longer amen the illustration I love to use once again you probably heard this but stick with me I want you to imagine right now that you live in an apartment that you hate maybe some of you feel this way you live in an apartment you have a landlord that's terrible I mean that landlord constantly beats on your door at midnight on the first where's my money the landlord constantly screams about all that you do and says all these things when your lease is up buddy you I mean you book it out of there as quick as you can and you move across town and you rent another place and one day you're in your new place peaceful enjoying it and all of a sudden You hear a knock at the door, and you open it up, and there is your old landlord. And he begins to berate you and scream at you. And if, number one, you don't throat punch him, and if, number two, you don't call the police, by the way, call the police before you throat punch him. Back those up. You know what you will say to him? Buddy, you have no right in my life. You're not my landlord. 
I don't belong to you. I'm not even renting from you. You have no right to say anything to me, so leave me alone and get out of here. I moved out, and I changed residence. And do you realize whenever you receive Jesus, you change residence? You go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And one day, the devil knocks on your door and says, come on, do this and do that. And you tell him, devil, leave me alone. You are under my feet. I've got a new residence. i got a new landlord, and his name is Jesus. Jesus Christ and devil you have no right over me I have been crucified with Christ and so whenever you go under the water you are dying with Christ you are symbolically saying the old man my old wants my old dreams and my old desires they can't dictate my life anymore I am dead to those things amen but look at what happens in verse 5 for if we've been buried excuse me been united together in the likeness of his death certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should be no longer slaves of sin. But now, not only are you baptized to his death, but you're raised to life with Christ. You're raised with him. When you come up out of that water, you are raised with him today. And you say today, now I am his. Some of you do cattle, and you understand this. There's a term... In the Old West, there was a term for a calf that did not have an owner. In those days, they had prairies where cows could run free. And they would have a calf out there. And nobody owned the calf. And the calf was called a maverick. And the maverick meant nobody owned it. And the first man that could get his brand on that calf was the one that could claim it. And once that brand was put on that calf, he was no longer a maverick. He belonged to that owner. There was a little girl who got baptized. She was a little cowgirl. And her friends asked her the next day at school, what'd you do this weekend? She said, I got baptized. They said, what does that mean? The girl thought, how can I explain this to these other cowgirls? They understand cattle. So she looked at him and said, I was a maverick. And Jesus put his brand on me. And he claimed me as his. And I want you to know today, whenever you receive Jesus, Whenever you are raised to newness of life, it is saying, I have been branded by God. I am his, and he is mine, and I don't belong to myself any longer. I don't belong to the kingdom of darkness, but now I belong to the kingdom of light. I am Jesus. I am his child. I am his beloved. And today, realize, sin doesn't have to dominate your life. Sin doesn't have to reign in your body. Sin doesn't have to have control over you and hold over you when you realize you have been saved. You have been set free. When you go under the water, you are dying to the old man. And when you come up, you are coming up to a newness of life. And you realize you are not the same person you used to be. But now you have been changed and you have been set free. Can you say amen? And then number three, in baptism, we surrender our entire lives to Christ. There was a story about these soldiers in Roman days when they got baptized. They would say this. They would tell the person baptizing them, baptize all of me except my arm that I use for the sword. I'm going to save that for Rome. And they would tell them either all of you is baptized or none of you is baptized. You see, when you come to know Jesus, it's not about, okay, Lord, I'll just give you my heart, but I'm going to keep the rest of me for myself. I'm going to give you my mind. I'll think about you, Lord, but I'm going to keep the rest of myself, the rest of me for myself. When you come to know Jesus, you are surrendering everything to him. 
as the old cliche says, he is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And you realize in your life that when baptism is saying, I am giving everything to Jesus. I am giving everything to him. I am not holding it back any longer, but everything that I have is his and his alone. Will the worship team join me up here right now? And I want to tell you this, I'm almost done. Whether you're able to make it tonight, I want you to do me a favor sometime today. Here's the favor I want you to do. For those of you that have already been baptized, look right here and I want you to do me a favor. Here's the thing, when we hear messages like this, we think, do I need to go get baptized another time? Here's what I want you to do, because here's the problem. Many of us have been baptized. I was baptized as a teenager. I was baptized in the Jordan River when I was 18 in Israel. Got the chance to do that. Fish were nibbling at my feet, and I was kind of freaking out the whole time. Thinking, Jesus, did you deal with this? Or did you, like, command them to leave you alone? (laughs) But here's the thing. Many of us forget our experience. I encourage you to come to the lake tonight, go play in the water a little bit. I don't mean you got to go jump in. If you're at home, if you don't get to come tonight, if you're at home, turn on the sink and play in the water. Because I want you to remind yourself that you have been baptized with Christ. And because of that, that old man does not reign in your life any longer. Some of you, whenever the devil begins to creep up in your mind and the devil begins to say you're not good enough, you're not loved, nobody cares about you, you need to throw some water in the devil's face. That means throwing it at the mirror in the sink. I don't care. But you need to actively do that because you need to remind the devil, I have been baptized into Christ. You do not dictate my life any longer. And I think for many of us, listen, I'm saying this as somebody who's been in church most of my life, almost 40 years now I've been in church. But if we're not careful, we can go through the motions and we can come to church and we go home and we feel good about the fact that I went to church during the week. And you know what, God, I did my religious duty. Let me check that off. Listen to me. Jesus didn't come and give his life so that you could just go through a religious duty and go home feeling good about yourself. He gave his life so that you could experience true life and joy and peace and wholeness. He came and he died so that through him you might live. That's so through him you might live a different life. You don't have to keep doing the same things. You don't have to let those things dictate you anymore instead. But listen, some of you say, well, Pastor, I've been in church. I'm a good person. Great. I'm glad you do good. I'm glad you're nice to people. I'm glad all those things happen. But listen, is your relationship with Jesus as vibrant as it once was? Is your relationship with Jesus as strong as it once was? And I think the waters of baptism remind us there was a reason I gave my heart to Jesus because I knew I couldn't do it on my own. There's a reason. I tried it in my own strength, and I kept messing up. I kept blowing it. I can't do it. And Jesus said, you're right, but 2,000 years ago, I did it for you. And now, I've given you my Holy Spirit so that now you can live the life you're called to live. Now, through the power of the Spirit, you can live that life. And many of us, we need to be reminded of what that means. I want you to celebrate that in your life, the fact that you have been crucified with Christ. And maybe it's been a long time ago, but you know what? That dead, that man's still dead. Keep him dead. Don't let that old man raise up his ugly head and instead realize Christ is doing something in you right now to revive that, that, those feelings, that, that excitement that you once had about knowing God. That excitement you once had about reading your Bible and praying. 
God wants to revive that in you right now. Jesus said this, and I'm almost finished. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This he spake of the Holy Spirit. That's a whole other message. We believe in being spirit baptized. That's another message. But what I'm saying to you is this. We believe that there's some, something symbolic in the Bible about water. And water represents life. And today, my prayer is, there's a, maybe some of you, the dam's been built. And you've had a pool of water there. And it's stagnated. And God says today, I want to destroy that dam in your life so that my water can run freely through you and that my water can revive you today. Would you stand to your feet?